One of the things Jesus said in John chapter 4, and, and I, I, I know this isn't a Lord's Supper passage, I'm aware of that, but it just struck me as being extremely, extremely interesting, and I just wanted to share it with you. Uh, look at John chapter 4, and uh, this is the passage of the Samaritan woman. And uh, Jesus breaks every social norm of the day by, by speaking to her at, at Jacob's well and in Samaria. There's a whole scene there. And uh, I just want to pick up at verse 7. And uh, let's just read a little bit about, about this event. And I want to go down to a couple of things that Jesus says. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. Now remember, this is a sovereign... I know y'all studied this a few weeks ago. This is a sovereign encounter. This is sovereign Christ. Because He's told the disciples, I must needs go through Samaria. He told them, normally devout Jews would walk around because Samaritans were considered half-breeds. They interbred with Gentiles and they were Hellenists and devout religious fanatical Jews couldn't stand them. They were considered half-breeds. So they, didn't, they wouldn't even walk through the territory. But Jesus said, I must needs go to Samaria. So they do. And they meet this lady at Jacob's well. So this is, we would call it a divine appointment. I like that term, a divine appointment. Uh, I, honestly, when we, every, really for a Christian, every moment of every day is a divine appointment. Uh, nothing catches God by surprise. And if you're suffering today, He knows you're suffering. He knew you were going to suffer. Uh, so He is aware of all things. And, and so He knew this lady was going to be there. This was His plan. So anyway, so one from Samaria came, drawed water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Isn't that, a, isn't that an interesting way to start a witness and opportunity? Just talk to somebody. And think about what Christ... He just carries on a conversation. Because He's the truth. And He's going to introduce the truth to her. And really, that's what we do. We, we're bearing the truth. And, and, and I just love it because the whole encounter started with Jesus saying to a woman, give me a drink of water, please. That, that's how this whole thing started. Give me a drink. For His disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to Him, how is it that you... A Jew ask me a drink, ask a drink from me, a woman of Samaria. So number one, normally you wouldn't talk to me. Number two, why would you ask me who y'all hate Samaritans? Would you ask me to serve you? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well, and he drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But then he says, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. Okay? Not talking physical. She, she almost is going to act like she's taking it physical, like a physical reality that you, she don't want to thirst again physically. The water that I will give him will become... Look what he says. 
Water that I will give him, will, will he'll never, if he drinks it, will never thirst again. Then he says, the water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. What Jesus is saying is, it's a spiritual thing, but when we came to Christ, on the inside of us, He, he implanted Himself in, with the Spirit. Uh, you know, Jesus, uh, Jesus said, the Spirit gives life, the flesh profits nothing. We know, as a believer, we know that. And what He's saying is for all of us that have come to know Christ as Savior and Lord, there's life on the inside. And He describes it. It, it wells up within us. It's as if we become a source of that living water. Do you see what He's saying? It's like it, it, becomes, it wells up in us and we become a source of living water as well. Now, this isn't exactly connected, but what I want you to think about, one reason we come to the Lord's table is to get fed. We get fed by this by remembering who Jesus is to us. Because this table humbles us to think about what Christ is. So it's a table of remembrance. It, it helps us reconnect and resubmit our lives to the Christ's Lordship and consider all the things that God has done for us. So, so he says, you know, everybody drinks this water, will thirst again, but you drink of the water I give, never thirst again. And the water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Of course, the woman says, give me a drink. But let's move on. Look at verse 31. So the meanwhile, the disciples, I, I won't read the whole context here, but you know they've gone away, they come back. They've been gone to town, so she's still conversing with the woman. Meanwhile, the disciples, verse 31, were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. So they came back with, with lunch, a meal, and they had gone the, the whole day without a meal, and so you know, they couldn't run down to the local fast food. You know, those meals were a big deal. So the disciples bring it back, and they said, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, and I pray that the Lord's Supper does this for you when you take, uh, when you take the elements, whether it's this time or every time we do it. But just what he says. He said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. Now, well, let me read it, and then I'm going to give you a couple of applications to think about so the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? They're thinking physical. Now look what Jesus says. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Now folks, if there's anything the Lord's Supper should do for us, it should call us back to obedience to where we're willing to do the very works that God's called us to do. And what Christ said here, it's also said by the Apostle Paul, when you're obedient to the will of God and surrender to His Lordship, it feeds your soul. You have food that the world knows nothing about. Remember when Paul and 2 Corinthians, uh, we use this as a uh, theme verse, and also it's on our offering envelopes, where Paul says, as for me, now think, as for me, Paul says, 
I will spend and be spent for your souls. What he was saying is, based on what Christ has done for me, I will spend everything I have spiritually, physically, and financially. I'll give it all so that folks can hear the gospel and be saved. Folks, that's the kind of commitment when we consider what Christ has done for us. We, are, we have food. There's a food the world doesn't know. This is food that we have. We have a table of remembrance that stirs our souls about what Christ has done. Go back to John, John chapter 1 real quick. And I want to show you, show you a couple of things. Um, You know, I, I was uh, one of the things I was reading this week was about the kingdom parables. Uh, just doing your reading and Bible reading, and I know you have your own way of reading scripture. But I was reading about in Matthew the kingdom parables, and you know, if you read the kingdom parables, here here's a basic summary of the kingdom parables. Jesus is king, and every human being that's ever lived is going to give an account. That that's that's a kingdom parable. Whether you're saved and been transformed, there's the judgment seat of Christ. If you're lost and without Him and rejected Him, it's the great white throne judgment. But a kingdom parable is Jesus is King. Here it is, Jesus is King. And everybody's accountable. There's a kingdom parable. And I am so glad that Christ shed His blood. Number one, became a human being. God in human form, the flesh. That that body was broken, abused, and He gave His life's blood to atone for my sin. I'm grateful for that. And I want to serve Him because of that. And so, you know, it's a kingdom that we're a part of. You know, we, one of the great uh, theologies uh, is we talk about the kingdom. You know, Christ's kingdom, He's not ruling right now in this world. You know that. We'll go back to this next Sunday. The, Jesus says the devil's the king of this world. Uh, he says it in the Gospels. He also says it the book of Revelation 12, chapter 12 says the same thing. So, in God's economy, God's control of all things, He's allowed the devil to have reigning authority over the world that we're in. So, the kingdom of Christ is not on this earth right now. But I'll tell you where it is. It's in my heart. It's in my heart. It's in your heart if you know Him. So, one of the things we talk about is kingdom. The kingdom is already, but not yet, Right? The kingdom is to come. The literal, physical kingdom where Christ rules, literally, and we rule with Him, is to come. But right now, Christ is King. And and when we come to this table, this table of remembrance, you're talking about surrendering to your King as your Redeemer. What an incredible privilege. Look look at John 1. I'm, I'm in, let me just pick up, well, let's just pick up at verse 1. Y'all know this well. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. I'll, by the way, that's some great theology when you think about who Jesus is. I mean, He's, he's, he's equal with God. Uh, he's coexistent with God the Father. Uh, he is God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. It goes back to Genesis 1, 2, and 3. He made it all. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. 
And the life was the light of men. Now, where does that verse show up in our theme? Living in the light of eternity. That's the first reference we have under the John 1, 4. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. That's why we can say we walk in the light. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now this is John the Baptist. That's why I want you to meet him. Not John the Apostle. John in his gospel never mentions himself. Never. So when he mentions, when you see the name John in John's gospel, it's always John the Baptist. Okay? So there was a man sent from God. You know, his name was John. And I, I could say this. Literally, now you're not John the Baptist, but you can, if you're saved, there's a man sent from God whose name was Bruce, or is Bruce. There's a man sent from God whose name is Mike, Michael, Scott. There's, that, that's who we are. We're the light. We are bearing the light of Christ. But there's a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness. Profound. Think about this. God the Father... God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, chose for John the Baptist to be the first witness. Now think about what that means. Testimony. He's bearing testimony to who Jesus is. He's the first one that bears witness. Because this is before the baptism. He's preaching the baptism of repentance, Right? He's bearing... He's the, so God elected John the Baptist to be the first one to share testimony of who Jesus was. So the understanding of, of what the Gospel would be or who Jesus is, the world understood who He was being the Messiah because of what John the Baptist preached. An incredible responsibility. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through Him. The, your ministry and my ministry is no different. I'm not the light. I bear witness about the light. Your whole Christian life does that. But you decide what kind of light bearer you're going to be. You decide that through whether you're going to live a life of obedience and sacrifice or you're going to straddle the fence and be lukewarm like the church of Laodicea. You decide that. So he, he, came, he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through Him. He was not the light. But He came to bear witness about the light. The true light which gives light to everyone. And look what it says. I love this. Was coming into the world. Now, that's one of them. I've never studied that part, that phrase, verb, Coming, was coming. I've never studied that. Was coming into the world. I've never paid attention to that. But in the Bible language, what it's saying is, and you have to know that like in a verb, these verbs have seven rules. That's why Greek's a hard language. There's seven rules that can change the meaning of a word. Verbs and nouns. This word, when it, what it's doing is telling you that the one that the verb, the, act, the action word that's talking about the noun is, is saying that the noun controls everything about the activity. It's an accusative. You don't care what it is. But it's just saying 
Jesus is the one, the one coming is the one that controls it all. So, if, if you're going to be a good witness, do you know who that's based on? Your submission to Christ. If you're going to share the truth about a good witness, who does that depend on? The words of Christ. It's all about Jesus. We just sang about that. It's all about you. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. See, you have a part of that. Was coming in moment by moment, second by second, revelation, more revelation through us. Now here it's John the Baptist, but for 2,000 years it's been believers. Was coming into the world. Now, let me remind you that part of the stewardship of a believer is, you know, he said, and you'll be my great commission. You'll be my witnesses. You, you will be my witnesses. So whether what kind of light bearers we are, we're going to give account of those things. Let me finish the passage and then, then I want to show you a couple things about John the Baptist. Says the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Are you reading your Bibles? He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Some of the Jewish people. He came, literally, it says. He came home. By the way, the voice that spoke to Abraham and started the Jewish nation. I mean, Abraham, I mean, his descendants, but the voice that spoke to Abraham and called him uh, out of the Mesopotamia area. What voice? Who was that? Jesus. Isn't He the Word? He created. He's... He's the acting word of the Trinity. So he came, so he says, and he's a Jew. He created the Jewish nation, and he's a Jew. I mean, it's the whole plan. He, by the way, the same word is used, I'll make this quick. Just think about Christ coming to his people, but his people rejected him, Jewish people. The, the, literally, it says he came home. The same word used here was used when Jesus was on the cross and He told John, Behold your mother. Remember? And it says, And John took her home. Same word. Jesus came home to His people and His people rejected Him. But then He says, But whoever did receive Him. Right? That's what it says. Then read the rest of it. It says, this is incredible. It says, But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name. Right? Then the next pronoun is very important. And verb. He, he gave the right. He gave the right. So He is sovereign. I think about that. He's sovereign over salvation. But look, look a couple of things real quick. I, I've got one minute and then we'll do the ordinance. But um, look, look at look at uh, look at. I want to show you some things about John the Baptist. Look, 
Look at verse 21 through 23. I don't have time to share. But the importance of John, there hadn't been... Well, I'm going to run out of time, so let me just say. For 400 years... Of course, you know, John the Baptist was a miraculous birth as well. It's a sovereign plan of God. Elizabeth passed the age of bearing children. Zachariah passed the age. You know, all that was miraculous. And of course, they're related. We know Mary was related to... uh, Who did I say? Just checking, Elizabeth. We know they're related. We don't exactly know how. Might have been sister. We don't know. But anyway, they were related. So John the Baptist was was related somehow to Jesus. But when John the Baptist comes on the scene, they call it the years of silence, which really is not a good way of saying it. But between the Old Testament and the New Testament, between the Gospel of Matthew, let's say, and, and Malachi and the Minor Prophets, There have been 400 years of absolute... No prophet had been on the scene. 400 years, there hadn't been a preacher for the Jews to talk about Messiah. John the Baptist is... So they say he's the last Old Testament prophet and the first New Testament preacher. And he he was. So I want you to notice, because he bore witness. He bore witness. But look at verse verse 21. I, I, I just want you to... Let me read it and I'll share a thought with you. And they ask him. They're talking to John the Baptist. He's going to be a witness. Jesus said he's going to be a witness. Uh, he's not the light, but he's going to bear witness about the light. Uh, I said verse 21, right? You said, and they ask him, what then, what then, or what then, question mark, are you Elijah? Which, by the way, they would ask that because Isaiah says that in the last days, when Messiah comes, the spirit of Elijah is going to come back. And so that's why they ask him, are you Elijah? They ask John the Baptist. They're, they're thinking Messiah is going to come and, and overthrow the Roman Empire. That's what they're thinking. Let's move on. And they ask him, what then, are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. So, and that's out of Deuteronomy, by the way, the prophet of Deuteronomy 18. Anyway, and he answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. Uh, the the uh, scribes and the Sanhedrin, the ruling party, had sent them from Jerusalem uh, down. Uh, so, what do you say about yourself? And he said, look what he says, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. By the way, you realize that John the Baptist, we haven't heard from him in 30 years. He's 30 years old when this, you know, he's six months older than Jesus. It said he lived in the desert. You know, you can read this in Luke. What did he eat? You know what he says. What does Luke say about John the Baptist? He ate what? Locusts and wild honey. And he dressed, he had a funny dress too. What did he wear? That's right. He was a nomad, right? God called him to do that. So he'd been out in, the, and out in the middle of the desert. Like a... I heard somebody call it like a cat litter box. It's, that's what it's like out there. It's barren and, and hard life. Anyway, so, so he, God calls him to, to be the... Pre- but his preaching people were going to hear him. So this is what he says about himself. They want to know because 
thousands of Jews are going and listening to him preach. And if they believe that he's preaching about Messiah, some of them are submitting to baptism. A Jewish person submitting to baptism saying that Judaism isn't enough. It's a big deal. So, I am the voice, and what would you say? Who are you? I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. By the way, we're in the wilderness, aren't we? Are we still in the wilderness of sin? Would you not agree? And We may have skyscrapers and highways and cars, but we live in the wilderness of sin. You know that. I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the... This is what He tells these people. Make straight the way of the Lord. That word straight, and I'll stop there, implies that everything's crooked. He's calling them wicked sinners. He's calling them sinners. Folks, we need to be like John the Baptist. If you read through here, you find out that he had a very submissive spirit to the will of God because he says, Jesus must increase and I must what? Decrease. And then he says, he had great theology. He said, he said, he, he's greater than me. This is, I'm paraphrasing now. He's greater than me. And they knew because he was before me. Now think of that. I, I, I've said this more than once in this church. So, so many of you know that why I'm saying it. He says to these people, he is greater than me. Because he was before me. Robbie, what's so significant about that statement? Because John the Baptist was really older than Jesus. But John says he was before me. So what was John implying when he says Jesus was before me? He's preexistent. He knew he's God. This is Messiah. Folks, if, if, if we love the Jesus, we're fixing to take this table of... If we come to this table He's invited us to, and we trust Him as John the Baptist trusted Him, it's going to change how we live and what we say about who Christ is. Let's pray. I'm going to invite the men to help me. Come on and I'll pray. Father, we, uh, we thank You for the moments that we do take the bread and the cup. and God, I pray that as well as I do and others, that we all examine ourselves. and God, don't let us be flippant. Let us think about the death of Christ, the bearing our sin guilt, becoming a human being and, and being mistreated as if He was a wicked sinner. All, all to fulfill all righteousness. Father, thank You that it didn't end on that cross. And Father, but three days later, the, the tomb was empty. And that same Jesus offers all of us life everlasting. Bless these elements now in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you, when you get the bread, just hold the bread, and we'll come back and give you the drink, and we'll take them both at the same time. Okay? I don't know who else gets it. Is that it? Go ahead. Thank you, guys. Thank you.
man he heals was it was in John 5 and the guy had been lame for 38 years and I'm just going to paraphrase the scene but Jesus shows up and you remember what he asked the guy the guy had been lame for 38 years and Jesus says to him think about it he says do you really want to be made whole and when you read about that you find out that there's a good chance that that guy was pretty satisfied. He had learned the life of a beggar. And being healed would change all that. And you know, when we come to church and hear the gospel, sometimes we need to examine our hearts and ask ourselves, do we really want to be changed? Or are we just satisfied with the status quo? Because life is comfortable. We don't want to get out of the comfort zone. 
So do you really want to be made whole? Jesus can do it. Come back to you, Dale. Appreciate these men serving.